Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hey everybody, welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Uh, support those that support us. And don't forget all the stuff we're doing over at drdrew.com and uh, Facebook slash Dr. Drew YouTube. Check out my YouTube channel. I appreciate that very much. Of course, Adam and I do a podcast three times a week. Uh, we are going to get right into some calls today. Uh, let's go now to uh, Andrea. Andrea. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hey there. Okay, so I have an almost one-year-old daughter mm-hmm. who goes to daycare um, four days a week. I'm a hairstylist, so I'm an independent contractor, and obviously it's hard to be out of work all the time um, when her daycare room gets closed because of COVID exposures. Mm-hmm. So, she, so she's out again. Um, this is the second time in like five weeks where she's had a quarantine for, you know, 14 days. And one of the teachers in her room um, had offered to watch her and a couple other little ones so parents can go to work. Now, they were all exposed to one other teacher. So I'm just wondering, is there any additional risk? I mean, obviously, they've all been exposed. <clears throat> but is there any additional risk um, if there's many of them or like, you know, five or six of the same people who have been exposed? I'm a little confused. So you're saying there's an adult who's willing to be hired away from the daycare to watch, like a babysitter, and that adult yes. and the children all had exposure to someone in the daycare room. Is that accurate? Yes. Okay. So in the daycare room, there's yeah. like 15 kids and right. there's like okay. four teachers or whatever. And how, long, the teachers, how long ago was that? This was Monday. Monday the, there was the exposure. Um, yes, correct. And, and I'm a little – confused about why they keep quarantining the children. I mean, kids that age don't Ugh. don't acquire this. They don't get it. I know. I know. It's been so hard. And all of us parents, I mean, I haven't, I've worked maybe <laughs> five days since the beginning of November. I'm, you know, self-employed. So yeah. it's really tough to be out. And so that's why I was one of the, the gals. I can, you know, I can take her. Right. If you need to work, and right. I'm just wondering, am I going to get in trouble? Um, I'm in Minnesota, so it's hot spice. So right. I'm just looking for peace of mind, looking right. for uh, like income. Ch- the, the CDC was very clear about this. Children don't get it. They, 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 they've been taking the position that there's no reason to keep schools closed, period, and daycare even less so. So that's why they've been opening these things up. Now, what mm-hmm. what you're asking, though, is are you maintaining the quarantine that you're asking them to maintain or they're asking you to maintain as a requisite for going back to school, and technically you're not, right? So you right. you really want to, and even though I, I don't understand why they're doing it, you don't want to lie, and you know I, I don't you know think that's how you should. Isn't there someone else right. you could you could hire to, to help out with the, the, those five kids? <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I know. Or maybe, know. or maybe we, take take you know, turns. Two moms. They live a ways away, but two yeah, moms at a time taking five and <laughs> switching off for the day. But that, and in reality, you know, that's more likely to expose everybody to everybody. I mean, let's face it: the more mixing, the the more exposure. It's all so crazy how we've become. Oh my God! So, um, uh, the 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 reality is, technically, you shouldn't do it. Technically, you shouldn't. Okay. And it's hard for me as somebody about okay. 1,500 miles away telling you what to do. Um, <laughs> but I understand the desperation and you should be able to find a solution to this because I think we are – I think we're overdoing it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and even where the science – And I feel for – Go ahead. I feel for, the, I feel for the daycare providers too because they're missing income. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. – it was two weeks there, then they were here, you know, three yeah. days and Monday. It's just, it's crazy. It's so hard. Yes. And, and there seems to be no regard by public officials for your mental health or your financial well-being. In fact, complete disregard no. for it. And and I, I they have to understand that there's a risk-reward to every decision they make. And what they should be helping us with is navigating this thing, not going all this mm-hmm. way, all that way. They should be assisting in our navigation. Which, you know, again, it's think about it when they tell you that masks and distancing work. That's a navigation. That's good. That helps us. Okay, we'll do that. But then they go mm-hmm. uh, shelter in place. Like, uh, no, 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 no. That's no longer a navigation. Mm-hmm. That is – that's death. That's shutting things down. That's making people – God only knows overdose, alcohol, depression, anxiety. God knows what it's going to do to child development. Yeah, we, do, we won't know the full extent of that for several years. But uh, exactly. here we are, nonetheless. I'm sorry they're doing that to you. I think it sounds like your head's in the right place, and uh, just find solutions. That, that's the key way to to deal with this. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate the call. All right. Next up is Adam. Adam, go ahead. Oh, hi, Doctor Drew. Nice to talk to you. You as well. What's going Long on there? Long time. Long time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so uh, just right now with the with the pandemic and all that's been going on, I've been doing some research on uh, stress and stress-related uh, stress-related research regarding the uh, uh, the pandemic. I'm right. just wondering if you have any general advice regarding handling any of this uh, time of time of hardship. Yeah. Um, so just been yeah. So there's a lot, right, in that question, uh, and <laughs> we are we are being uh, not just encouraged but mandated to isolate, which is the worst possible mental health directive for a human being. Then, while we're being isolated, we are being rendered powerless and helpless by government officials to change our environment, and when we create. Uh, studies on depression, the the actual biological model they use, one of them, is in dogs where they put dogs on these electric grids and teach them if they jump off the grid when it's electrified, they can move away from the discomfort. Then they electrify everything so the dog can't escape and the dog is helpless and the dog curls up in in the corner and just takes it. And that biological state is consistent with depression. It's the same as depression. So that powerlessness, the helplessness that we induce in dogs is our model for depression in humans. Guess what we're doing now? We're isolating. So we're all behaving like people with substance use disorder and we are powerless, i.e. depressed. Worst possible mental health combination on earth. And then, of course, people are – 
the cannabis dispensaries and the liquor stores are open, so that's where we're going, if not to heroin and pills. So we are – substance use is up. Anxiety is four times higher. Depression is twice as high. Suicide is up. Overdoses are up. It's the worst. So what counters that phenomenon or that state is the opposite, right, which is empowerment, is finding loci of control. The vaccine somewhat gives us that. Going out in the world navigating, like figuring out how to reduce our risk of transmission but having a life – and then the most important thing is contact, being in contact with other people. It turns out our ability to regulate, find meanings, everything about the human is about their social engagement. And for social engagement to have a effect on stress, it's best to be in person. So two bodies in space, you know, where one person is listening to the other person's experience. Uh, it can also be done over the phone. The our, our voice, our vocal prosody, it's called, has lots of content. If you want to uh, hear more about that, Gary, I'm going to ask you to look up when I talked to Stephen Porges, probably the first time we went over all that stuff, uh, the episode number, how there's a social engagement biology through the vagal system that uh, engages with faces and vocal prosody. Episode 63. You can find that at drdrew.com. Episode 63. Uh, and that's what we – if you look at the the basic structure of uh, the how a normal human develops emotional regulation, which is the ability to keep feeling states from being too prolonged, too intense and too negative, it requires other people in connection with other people. And we do that quite naturally when we're children. We lose track of that sometimes when we're adults and it's important to um, – it's, it's important to uh, go ahead and – deploy that, to use that same mechanism again. Right, that's true. Yeah, because I've, I've been making the mistake of, because just out of convenience, is, is texting, and I, I get a little bit with a dilemma with reaching out to people, like going there to their places uh, one-on-one just because of the the virus. So I get a little bit paranoid in that sense. But. Right, right. So use use Zoom, use the phone, do the best you can. And if you go in person, you know, keep ventilated, UV light, and uh, distance. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. You mentioned about uh, going outdoors. You said that you went outdoors for a run and you were feeling down and you got... You it, got um, it helped. It helped. It, yeah, it's, I, I have so much COVID fatigue, though. I have so much crisis fatigue. It's not helping as much anymore, I got to tell you. But it really yeah, did help I, me during the during the early part of the summer and spring. Yeah, like like I got I got back. Uh, I tried to get off my um, antidepressants, but I went to the doctor, and he said, he said, you know, during this time of the the pandemic, you might be a good idea to to get on the antidepressants they help out with stress but i completely agree with him i agree that that now's not the time to to add to your uh biological stress right and then he said of course just everything else in consideration lifestyle too but okay yeah Yeah. it's good it's good good to good to know because i guess sometimes you need some some direction yeah, it's just listen. All I'm, all you and I are really doing right now is exactly what I was talking about. Right, we're sort of connecting. I'm supporting you. You're feeling a little bit enhanced by that. We're feeling, yeah, it gives exactly. you a sense of security yeah. and you know being heard or felt and connected. This all this stuff is really, really, really more important than you imagine. 
And we're not only are we ignoring it, and we always tend to do that in our culture, but we're being specifically directed to not engage in this, which is so insane right. to me. It's so insane. Oh, and, and, I, and I mentioned, um, I was just wondering, have you ever had a, a Robert Sapolsky on the, the podcast? I've have we ever to talked to him Sapolsky? Uh, he wrote Why Zebras Don't Get uh, Ulcers, and he wrote Behave and books like that. He's a, he's a Stanford, essentially zoologist, but biologist, I would like to call him. And uh, I know I have interviewed him before. Have we ever done it on this podcast? I, I, don't, I don't think so because yeah. I'm familiar with him. And uh, he'd be a great interview. He's great. He'd be excellent. Yeah. I'll reach out. All right. So there you go. Thank you for that, Adam. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Drew. Right, Have a great can. day. All right. You too. And this is uh, Nuria. Nuria, what's going on? Hello. Hey there. Hi. I just had a question. I babysit my niece um, like just two days a week, but she's around us all the time. And uh, she kind of bullies or teases my daughter. And my daughter is almost two. My niece is uh, She just turned five. What can I do to kind of get it to stop or um, cool it down? Give, give me a specific. I mean, exactly what is he's about? Well, it's little. I mean, it's little. It sounds like little petty things, but we'll be we'll be painting like an activity, and she'll be like, "No, don't don't touch that. Don't you can't touch the paints. You have to wait. You have to." And she kind of does that or like yesterday we were playing outside and she took she took to the bike and she's teasing her she's like i have the little bike now yeah that's so it's like kind of normative you know what i mean this is not abnormal behavior just yet i know you're sensitive to it because it's your daughter does it does your does your daughter complain about it well she's she kind of like screams or cries she's not very verbal yet. Um, so she doesn't even understand what's happening. Yeah, she just kind of cries or she'll, and it kind of, it seems like it's rubbing off on her now to the point where, like, they'll take toys away from each other. Um, my niece will be like, no, you can't play with it. It's mine. And so, like, it kind of goes back the same way. My, my daughter will grab something and like, oh, mine. And then. Right. Uh, and, and again, this <laughs> so is all kind of normative Sorry. behavior. It, it all all you can do. I mean, you can reason a little bit with the five year old. You can sort of say, "Look, she doesn't have language. She may not just kind of stay in the zone of she doesn't understand." You have to be aware that she doesn't appreciate, doesn't understand, and and that by the same token, the five year old having you know wanting domain over things is really uh, narcissism, you know, peaks around age six or so. And so that's, <laughs> okay. that's of course the kind of normative stuff. You don't punish her for being a child, but, but you right. have to kind of structure the environment and you say, look, there's here. It's kind of make the five-year-olds can be interested in rules. So here are the rules. You don't get to take this from the, and, and by the same token, the two-year-old doesn't get to take it away from the five-year-old, but you have to kind of try to get the five-year-old to understand that she doesn't, she, the two-year-old doesn't understand. But these are all kind of, you know, the reason we don't put five-year-olds and two-year-olds together in daycare if we can avoid it, because these are different <laughs> right. stages of development, and well, it's very hard. I mean, the, they're, you know, they're animals at this age. Right. And well, and with the with all it going on, so I'm kind of I was staying home with my my daughter anyways. But then there's no daycare for the five year old. There's no school for the five year old. Yeah. 
so there's nothing. So I've, I've been taking care of her. Yeah, and so the, and, and the and the five year old. I mean, that's very stressful for the five year old too. So it, what kids do in times of stress, they regress. So she, you know, okay. she may start acting more like a two year old, and that's not. It's not, you know, again, it's not the child's problem. It's it's us and the environment we're putting the children in and trying to make it healthier for her. I mean, that's definitely the goal for sure. Uh, but structure, structure and maybe some distance between them when, the, you know, just do as much. Realize, I, I think the way I was always looking at it was if if I got to the point where I was frustrated or especially if I was yelling, I knew that I missed something two or three steps earlier. If that makes sense, okay. so there, there's opportunities to intervene. It's hard; you have to be vigilant, and you, you know, the first sign of trouble, you have to nope, nope. Come, but and by the time it gets bad, and you're like going ah, you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> to tr- try to try to put that back on the adult and say, look, that's me. I missed something a couple steps earlier. I'm going to do better next time. Uh, but uh, you know, it, and it takes so much energy. The other thing is. Make sure you're kind of refueled. You know what I mean? That you've got enough energy to to uh, fight this, uh, and that sometimes that means. So just keep making coffee. Well, <laughs> I'm not coffee's not necessarily with me, but maybe maybe <laughs> no. talking to people about it. Like I'm so frustrated. I can't believe these kids. I'm going crazy. You know, my wife and I look at each other on a regular basis, and we go, "Oh my god, thank thank God we don't have little kids right now. We don't know how we would make it. We don't know how we would do it." Literally, I'm, right. Gary's shaking his head at me. He's got a. How old's your baby now? Sixteen months. Oh, so you're you know close to the age of this young of of Nuria's daughter. Can you imagine trying to also take care of a five year old at the same time? Oh no, no, it yeah. would kill me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. and she's an intelligent little five year old. Let me tell you, if you've talked to, if you ever talked to her, you probably won't. But it's like. She's 10 sometimes. Her conversation, her skills. So so, so good. So that means that that her verbal skills are very high, but don't treat her like she's a 10-year-old. Remember, she's still a 5-year-old and and she's sort of regressing at the same time. So just be very behavior. There was a book we use that's sort of out of favor right now called Time Out for Toddlers that changed our life. And you can – you know, I don't know how – you feel about timeouts and things like that. But it's really about structuring the world that these kids are in and structuring it early. And they like it. They respond to structure. And it's hard, though. It's it's like, you know, taming taming wild animals, which is, in fact, what we're doing. So thanks, Nuria. This is uh, Casey. Hey, Casey. Hey, Drew. How's it going? Good. What's happening? Uh, so um, I actually posted this on Locals this morning. All right. Um, I've been – Super happy, like uh, my medications and my programs totally working for me. And um, so I'm in. Bo- I'm enjoying vices. I've been drinking a little much, or a little, little more than I normally do. And I'm just wondering, what's the difference between white knuckling and actually just being happy and enjoying a vice every now and then? Well, w- white knuckling is struggling to willfully control your relationship with a substance when you have a disorder, right? When you when you have right. a, a, a motivational disorder, substance use disorder, that kind of thing. If you don't have a disorder, right? If you if you don't have to control it um, because it has a life threatening potential associated with it, and and by the way, sometimes it's hard to tell where you are in the spectrum of a substance use disorder. Am I just starting out, or am I really going to lose control? But if you don't feel like you've lost control, which is the the hallmark of really when you've got to stop. Um, then it's then it's you're just using, <laughs> and the question then are then are you using okay. in a way that's healthy or are you using in a way that's unhealthy? And unhealthy is again back into the substance use excess. 
Well, okay, yeah. So the worst thing that's happening is I'll, I'll end up with a hangover every now and then. But yeah. it's not something like I'm having to wake up in the morning and have a drink or anything like that. Mm, well, I, again, the the uh, the idea of measuring whether you're having a problem is not so much the the uh, early morning drinking, though that is in the some of the questionnaires we use to determine if somebody has a problem. I was thinking in terms mm-hmm. of functioning. If you're having trouble functioning, health, relationships, work or school, finance, legal, something is going on there. And oftentimes it's health, right? And that's the one that sneaks right. up on you. And if somebody is saying, your doctor is saying, hey, your liver enzymes are up, that's a major deal. That that's something that oh. uh, now you're out of control. Now you've now you've had a consequence from your using, and that's for real. Needs to be paid attention to. Got it. Okay. Hey, thanks. I appreciate and, it. And, and are you isolating? Uh, I was. I was. Um, and once I kind of got stabled out uh, with the uh, antidepressants, I'm now kind of reengaging with the world now. Okay. The the one thing. That I'd watch for, and and so they were treating you for de- unipolar depression. Is that true? Um, unipolar depression. I'm not quite sure, but as is. opposed to bipolar depression. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. So they weren't worried because you sound a little on the high side right now, and I wonder if the antidepressants are causing you to elevate your mood past what we call euthymia, like you're getting, and that may be where the substances are kicking in because you feel. Like you're having a good time, but you're actually yeah. sort of inflated by this by the medication. Okay, so now that's something that uh, my uh, my psychologist and I have been trying to keep an eye on uh, because of the fact that we didn't know if I was bipolar or not. Right, and and, um, and, and by the way, I, I I worry about calling somebody bipolar who gets a little high from antidepressant medicines because we you know with the way we think about it is we go oh it's just bringing it's showing us that the person is bipolar I'm not I'm not sure I, I would just call it a side effect of the medication but but you do sound a little more inflated than I'm used to hearing you sound. And we've spoken before. Interesting. Yeah, and, well, that, and now, that can be I, good. I, I, I know you like that, but it just—it's a little <laughs> on the north side. So I'm glad you're watching. Well, I'm so, also glad somebody has eyes two on. Cups it. of coffee as well. So doesn't sound like coffee because you're not sped up. You sound <laughs> inflated, which is a little different thing. And, and oh, yeah, and that's great. I'm glad for you because that's certainly the opposite of depression. <laughs> and, right. But it, but it can ha- cause you to be a little more impulsive and a little more. And I'm, I'm glad there's subjective eyes on you. That's all. So it, I'm not worried about it. I'm just like because eh, it, it can become a problem if you don't watch it. But somebody's watching you, so you'll be fine. It's all good. So it's definitely something to be aware of, though. Yeah. Well, for your psychologist to be aware of, and it sounds like he or she is. Okay. All right, man. Cool. Hey, great, thanks a lot. I great appreciate talk it. to you. You betcha. Talk soon. And it might just be you're happy to be on the phone here. I don't know. Well, we're all feeling a little depressed in uh, COVID time, but if you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, I think you need a little bit of help and depressed. BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help with issues including anxiety, as I said, depression, LGBT matters, trauma, family conflict, self-esteem, and of course, more. And I've heard some really good reviews of BetterHelp online therapist. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. Easily schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus exchange unlimited messages to communicate with your therapist, all at your convenience. Everything you share is confidential, of course. If for any reason you're unhappy with your counselor, you request a new one at any time, no additional charge. Join the 1 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code Dr. Drew. Get started today at 
BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Dr. Drew. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Ready to get away from it all? Free yourself with Pluto TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No contracts, no subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android or iPhone and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Uh, Joe, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew. How are you doing today? We're good. What's happening? Good, good. Uh, well, first of all, I want to thank um, you and um, Susan. Uh, you know, I've, I've uh, joined uh, your locals. Oh yeah, and uh, it has been it has been incredible. You know, as someone, uh, you know, I suffer from COVID anxiety. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, now, Joe, I know I know who you are because you are you come to our you also come to our streaming show and stuff, and I appreciate it. And I would not have predicted you as somebody having anxiety because you you seem like you're. You're a scientist, right? You're a climate scientist, correct? I'm a meteorologist. Meteorologist. And, and as such, you think scientific, and you've always seemed quite even about everything. So I'm glad we've been of help to you. You have been of incredible help, and I recognize the voice on the last call, and he has been incredible as well. Well, and let me, and I recognize Casey too. And let me just thank both of you for putting lots of cool content on the local site. That's what I was hoping would happen. People would just be there sharing and sharing, and I can kind of drop in on it. I need to drop in much more, trust me. And we're going to do a big uh, Zoom with you guys soon. So that's in the Thank plans. you. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the one thing that Casey um, has set up was a Zoom chat. And that, um, you know, what, we, what we've started to do with the Zoom chat yeah. is we've gotten, you know, just, the, the locals, the lo- you, know, lo- you know, the locals people that yeah. have signed up yeah. for uh, lo- uh, you know your your locals, yeah, yeah. And they have gone on Zoom chat, and it has been a great therapy. For so, all so of I want to be on those chats. So let me know when they're coming. And so we're talking about this this platform called Locals.com that I've gotten involved with, and it's let us put together a little community, and it's sort of evolving in ways that I really kind of dig. You know, doesn't, the- doesn't seem that little. You put the call out on Locals, and our phone lines exploded. Well, this, it, this, this thing is great. But it's also, but it's, but people are gaining meaning from the community they're building, and so they're very supportive and engaged, and it's just, it's just great. That's the best. Yeah. And so, we're helping each other at a very difficult time because, yeah, yeah. you know, you see, you, you know, you see that the cases are clearly going up with COVID. Yeah. You clearly see that the hospitalizations now that we're over 100,000, Okay. The one thing about me is the problem with me is I've always watched too much news, (laughs) sports, and weather. Um, You know, again, whereas most people are watching, you know, primetime shows, I'm focused on those three categories. I'm on the current event. Yeah. And so that's what, you know, that's where my anxiety comes in. Um, And, you know, my my two questions for you. Um, One, I I mean, I'm, I'm from New York, but. You know, I see you guys over in Los Angeles with yeah. the stay-at-home order. Yeah. I mean, this is becoming ridiculous now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we're, but nobody's paying attention. Uh, I, I don't know where it's going, but I, I uh, noticed, Gary, this morning, I mean, if you, you feel the same way, that the traffic on the freeways is precisely the same today as yesterday. And this is kind of what I thought would happen. They've overplayed their hand. It was significantly lighter on Monday 
and Monday morning, and by Tuesday night, it was back. Yeah. So, and and we are literally seeing cities now trying to peel off from our LA County Health Department because they're so disgusted with the excesses and the, the draconian measures and stuff. So we have cities like I think it's West Covina and Beverly Hills trying to now form their own public health departments because they're just sick of the the the. The problematic, not just uh, messaging, but the problematic decision making by that organization. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, I have a question for Joe, if yeah. you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Joe, you said that you mainly focus on sports, news, and weather. And <laughs> as far as sports and news, I can say that I probably follow those closer than I should. How has how have the changes in sports affected how you enjoy and consume them since they've come back during COVID? Uh, excellent question. Um, I have not been watching as much sports except for hockey um and it actually i'll go there it has nothing to do with covid my problem has been a lot to do with you you, you know the um unrest and the yeah so the, so joe's not i i've heard this from a number of people they 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 want sports to be an escape and they get kind of off I, off put when there's a politicizing and stuff in there. Even if, even if they support the, right. the things that are being politicized, people are feeling like, no, I don't, I don't want this in my sports. That was I, why I, I asked because that's been my experience. Is yeah. that it's, I, I'd love that to be an escape. It's already distracting that there's no crowd. I, you know, I'm not sure I want that. Yeah, the, but the, I will say that I thought the NHL has done it better than pretty much any other professional and, sports league. And isn't that interesting? That's where he's landed. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yes, exactly. And, and, and what has become the escape for me has actually been weather because this year's hurricane season was the busiest in recorded history, mm. which goes back to the late 1800s. Mm. So that has kept me very, very busy. Um, you know, of course, and, and meteorology was always my first love. That is, you know, so, and that's something I've mentioned on, on you know, I, I mentioned on the last Zoom call. Yeah. Um, and that has always been my first love. That is what I want to do. I mean, you know, especially tropical weather. I just love hurricanes. Are, are you As doing? Are you doing anything professionally in that regard? Are you are you working in that field right now? Oh, I yes. Yeah. Uh, I I work out of um, I work out of an airport. Oh wow. Uh, I work out of well, I work out of air traffic control tower, and I will say, it is a totally different world from the tower to the terminal. It is a different world. It, 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 it's it's completely different world meaning what what does that mean we're all curious what does that mean well well essentially you know i don't have to worry i feel much safer being in the tower mm. you know mm-hmm. and whereas a quarter mile away you go in the terminal and you know you have every germ known to man oh listen i was in um newark two days okay. two days ago before before this call is you know we're recording this i did not dig what was going on at newark it was Packed. I literally had to pull off into a corner and uh, just sort of hide because it was. I mean, it was packed. I, I haven't seen it like and, that in nine months. And the problem, problem is everybody's going out in Newark because nobody wants to go out of LaGuardia or Kennedy because you're subject to quarantine. filing paperwork. The quarantine. Yeah, that's exactly and, right. And we, that's exactly right. Yes. So everybody's going out of Newark and yeah. just going into New York City because they don't have to fill out this, you know, ridiculous yep. paperwork yep. or That's, or be that, fined. Which, which is again, this is what's crazy about the public health approach to this virus. They're doing things that they're well intentioned. I understand. 
But the average person looks at it and goes, F that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something else. I, I, that seems silly. I'm not going to do it. I can't live. I can't survive like that. I have to survive. And the, the, is it, I think what they should be doing, and humbly, let me just say, I think the reality should be that they should be helping people navigate, not mandating. When, when During the HIV epidemic, Gary, think about this. I, I was very involved in public health messaging during HIV. It's why we had Loveline. I know. It's why we created it because I, I was just I, – Anthony Fauci was telling young doctors, you got to get out there because there are going to be 2 million dead, 2 million dead. And I went out and we didn't say, you're a murderer. If you're having sex with somebody, you're murdering them. You never said that. You said, we're going to change your behavior. We need to wear a condom every time. Think about it. All the people you've had sex with, they, you, they may be coming forward with this virus. You could be hurting somebody. And by the way, it was 100% fatal. It wasn't 1% fatal. It was 100% fatal. And we did not call people murderers if they wanted to still navigate through their lives. I mean, think about that. It's, it's the, what we've become is sort of hard to understand. And people are then, because it's so extreme, the measure, they, they've overplayed their hand so much. People are just, and, and then, by the way, and then behaving, the people that are making these ma- mandates are behaving however they please. In LA County, we had someone close down all outdoor dining and call it dangerous and, and problematic. And then she went out and had outdoor food. That, that hour, an hour later, went out and ate in a restaurant. Which good that she did, but don't stop with the rhetoric. Then uh, I'm closing the restaurant. Stop down. with the rhetoric, and then yeah. also when she was caught right. or discovered doing that, yeah. the statement that she offered highlighted that she was trying to help a small business. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, and no shut, kidding. That's what we all want to do. Up. We all want to do that. Of course she does, and we should be continuing to do we that. We all be able to. Yes, but exactly. you can't say shut it down and then go sneak in under the wire. It's right. just terrible Well, it's the optics. same thing with our, our governor who has been mandating nobody, no more than three households at a table. And then, French and, laundry. And, and no loud music because you might be speaking too loudly and spitting. French laundry, French laundry, seven families, 15 people, head of the California Medical Association, and they were speaking so loudly they had to close all the doors and windows to keep them in there by themselves because they were too loud. Dr. Drew, yeah. um, Cuomo has a PSA out now about living rooms. Oh, I heard about this. He he's, Actually, I, we, Joe, I, I have very um, interesting feelings about Cuomo. I generally liked how he handled things. I thought he was excessive too, but he was rational and deliberate. And I, I appreciated how he how he brought on. I, I know you might have different feelings because you were subjected to all of it, but I watch his news conferences every morning. My wife and I would watch them because we're in New York a lot. Well, then let's keep ripping on California. I've only seen it. <laughs> I've only seen it on like streaming apps, like when my yeah. wife is watching something on demand. But have you seen the latest California tourism advertisements? I can't wait. Oh, they're amazing. There's like four different variations of them, and they're all about how you can pick up a car with contactless delivery. Or with contactless, you know, whatever. And then the tagline at the end is California. Staying safe means staying open. That's their tagline. I can find you one and play it and, for you. And, and and this is the state playing these things? Oh, yeah. This is the state Same tourism. time they're telling you to stay yes. home and don't work. So it's yes. awesome. It's awesome. I've seen, I see these every day now. It's awesome. Bizarre. So, Dr. Drew, thank you very much. All right, Joe. Appreciate your comments as always, man. Uh, right. We'll talk Have to you soon. Have a great day. All right, buddy. Okay. But the Cuomo thing, I, I want to say, I what Joe is complaining about is actually, to me, rational. And here's what I'm saying. If you're going to be closing down restaurants, yeah, you should be wearing a a mask in your living room because guess what? Living rooms are where this thing is transmitted. Not the restaurants, but the living rooms. So if you're going to go all the way to the mat with your cockamamie ideas, you should be talking about transmission in the living room because the reality is when you make people go home – 
Every time I see a COVID, I, I've seen lots of COVID in, in lately in my in my career, and it's always the same story. My aunt, you know, my my no, my kid, my my teenager. Typically, this is the story in Southern California. Anyway, my teenager's back from college. She got fevers last night. Now we've all got it. We have five people in the house. Typically, one person brings it in. Five people in the house won't get it. Nobody dies. Nobody needs hospitalization. Everyone gets well. But I'm I'm hearing that again and again and again and again. And uh, and of course, I don't want to minimize the the reality that for some people they get very sick and there is the long hauler problem. This is all real. It's all real. There's no hoaxing involved in the how this virus works. The porn is in the panic. What is what? What do you think about? I've heard various takes on this the the prevailing logic seems to be that the medical professionals will get it first followed by the elderly and other at-risk populations when i'm talking about the vaccine yes but i've heard a a a different argument that because the young people are the ones who are acting haphazardly and coming back and infecting those people that are at risk we may be more intelligent to vaccinate the young and healthy first because they're going to behave how they're behaving regardless or or some version of that yes so again we are into knee-jerk reactions rather than so, – so it depends on how you look at this. I mean are we trying to preserve maximal years of life or are we trying to limit people that suffer complications from infection, right? And are we trying to protect people that serve those people? To me, it makes perfect sense to healthcare officials yes. and first responders. But exactly on which ones is still not clear to me. I still don't know if I can get it even though I treat COVID. I don't know if I can get it yet because I'm not in a nursing home. I'm not an institution. And that might be a requirement for the first round. If you're going to you're gonna keep the rhetoric going that the most vulnerable, the ones that are most likely to have serious complications, then you got to start with – now, the really interesting question is, well, how about those people that are living independently that are 95? I mean, those are people that don't have a six-month life expectancy. Because they're not in a nursing home. People that need institutional care have a six to 18-month life expectancy, period. Shouldn't we be vaccinating people over 80 out in the world and in the home? Because they're the ones that you know we were saving more years of life and those are the ones that really get into trouble. I started thinking that a couple of days ago. I was like, well, why don't we, we – you know, the nursing home ones, I, I get it. It's sort of an easy target. But my patients that are 90 out in the world are the ones I worry about, and they might live another five years. Well, maybe because things are changing so quickly, we should point out we're recording this yeah. a few days into December because yeah. this will come out in about 10 days. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. things could change, but that's- well, Well, we're going to hear I, – I, I objected in the strongest terms to this uh, uh, vaccine committee that Governor Newsom put together here in California because I thought, why, we, we have all the scientists looking at this. Why, why his committee? But – his committee, and by the way, where they interviewed somebody from UCLA in my news program yesterday, I do a thing on Fox 11, the local news affiliate, and uh, they interviewed someone from UCLA, a very, very fine virologist, and the reporter asked the appropriate question, why, why do we need this? And he goes, well, it'll help with public confidence. Like, yeah, let me translate. We don't need this, but we're going to do it anyway. And maybe it will help with public confidence in the vaccine. But he also said, we're going to determine how to roll this out. And I thought, okay, that's a function that they can serve, which is determining how to do it in the state of California. I, I get that. That's fine. Uh, Aaron. Uh-oh. Aaron, you there? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Oh, who can else is with you? Some, somebody else is there with you. Yes, I got uh, – uh, first of all, I have to say a huge thank you to you for everything you do. I've been – I've listened to you since the Love Line days and Adam too, and you have just been – 
I mean, instrumental for getting through this whole time because I've got little ones. And when this whole thing started going down, definitely some postpartum depression and all of just the media and just made it awful. And I know it's been such a godsend to be able to listen to you and have you break it down well, thank in a you. much that, more that, rational that, way. That's a huge, so that's I, I consider that a gigantic compliment because that was my goal since the late, late winter, early spring. Hi. Is is uh, that I, I just felt like I was part of the French underground, you know, pumping out supportive messages like we're going to get through this, we're we're going to persevere, vive la France, you know, and uh, and yeah. people. Re- I feel like I needed that, so it was very meaningful to me to be able to provide reassurance to people. Yeah, so thank you so much. So my my big question today, and I also joined your locals group too. Oh, thank you. I'm hoping that. to become more active, but just you know, I've got a thirteen month old, me too, and a six year old, and yeah. of course doing the whole Zoom kindergarten and all of that. So I just it just comes down to time, but yeah. uh, I'm hoping to be more active on it. But I, I definitely have been enjoying it. Um, so my big question is, you know, with uh, going out more and doing more stuff and. Um, you know, hoping to get the kids out more, uh, certainly risk of potentially contracting COVID goes up. Um, and my, you know, we have good health insurance and everything. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the, say the company, but you know, it's a big conglomerate that has definite rules on what the doctors can and cannot prescribe. Yeah. When you're in a, when you're in a big HMO or Kaiser, things are outside of the doctor's control. Right. Right. And I've, I've run into that. Um, that before. So my big question, I don't think any of us in my immediate family, um, you know, my husband and I are both 39. Our kids are young. You know, we don't, we're relatively healthy. Nobody's on any medications or anything. So I don't think we would get really sick, but um, you know, I've, I've heard, listen to you with all everything that Dr. Zelenko says and um, you know, treating early and especially wanting to stay out of the hospital, my husband and I, because, what in the world would we do with the kids? Oh my God. Unthinkable. Right. So, um, say my doctor wasn't willing or not able to maybe be willing to prescribe like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, yeah. right. you know, right. be a little more proactive or, or if we aggressive. did start having aggressive. symptoms. Yeah. If they were to be aggressive. Where would, where would we reach out? I, I, you know, the, the, the doctor that I talk to on my stream all the time, Dr. Uh, Ragendra, Ram Yogendra, Yo, Dr. Yo is the Twitter handle, Y-O, the word doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, Yo, Y-O. You could sort of DM him or tag him. He has been prescribing for people. He's been prescribing for long haulers. He's been prescribing for people that are desperate. So you could kind of connect with him. Uh and Dr. Zelenko himself has been doing it uh, as well. And again, it's easy to follow him on Twitter. He does pay attention to people, you know, that tag him. Um, and again, I, I this is all very aggressive stuff, right? It, it's not standard therapy at all. But there are parts of the world that are using ivermectin, which is a, an, a something they use very frequently in other parts of the world for um, anti-worm therapies, essentially. You know, you may see it in some of your pet products. And it's very safe and it's used, but it has, it has rather powerful antiviral activity. We use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it has very powerful antiviral activity. And so in terms of trying to do what you can, that's something that people are trying. 
Uh, zinc seems to be a major contributor. So, you know, I think a simple thing to do is take 25 milligrams of zinc, maybe have some prophylactic effect. If you watch Dr. John Campbell's, he's not, he's actually not, he's a nurse, but he is a PhD in nursing. Dr. John Campbell's review of zinc effects on YouTube, Dr. John Campbell, extremely compelling story there about zinc. And if you get sick, increase that to 50 milligrams. And then calcium, excuse me, vitamin C, 1,000 milligrams, vitamin D, maybe talk to your doctor, two to 5,000 units. Um, and then there's another compound called quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. That, again, it's controversial. Some people say it's doing nothing. Uh, 500 milligrams of that a day may have some benefit as well. But these are all very aggressive measures that have not been proven yet, and, and I'm not – I'm not prepared to recommend them to people the way sometimes Dr. Yogendra and Dr. Zelenko are, um, but they claim really good effects. Uh, Dr. Yo is even using it in the long haulers, and he has shown some some clinical benefit there as well. So interesting, right? Yeah. No, I'm actually – I've been taking the quercetin and the zinc and the yeah, me too. C and the E. I figure it me, can't me hurt. Too. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, my, my big fear is I don't – I think we would all be fine in our household with where our health status is, but – um, definitely wanting to stay out of the hospital at all yeah, costs. I hear you. Kids I, and, and you, you should. I mean, the my probability can't prescribe the probability, and then you know, with something we don't talk about, but keep your lean body mass, you know, down. Keep it, you know, try to try to if you're if you're if you have excess weight around the middle, pay attention. Now's the time because having that inflammatory organ there works against you. So if you can, you know, if, that will keep you out of the hospital too. We think. Thanks. Yeah. No, that's been. Something I've been working on. I've been, cool. been doing the no sugar, no grain. Yeah. And, oh, look at you. Down to look down at you. Pre-pregnancy hey, weight. Congratulations. And, and almost got that BMI in the normal range. That's so we're really close. Perfect. And I, I have a feeling for people like me that have metabolic syndrome that there is something to the no carbs. That's because I, I think Adam and I were talking about the other day. Or my wife pointed it out to me. I've, I've been on the no carb thing, the Vinny thing, the, the no carbs, no, no no sugar, no grain thing. For three years now, I've not been sick in the whole time, and and for me, you you remember Gary how often I'd come in here coughing and stuff. That's it, that's weird for me. So there's something in there that seems to enhance immune function. Now, I'm working for a company called Additix, where we're going to be doing measurements of immune function and figuring out ways to enhance immune function. So by the new year in 2021, I may be able to talk more about this. Where I'm going to get my I'm actually going to do things and, and see if it works in terms of enhancing uh, particularly T-cell function, uh, cellular immunity. Uh, this is uh, Corey. Corey, what's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. I was just wondering why the FDA is waiting till next week to meet for the Pfizer vaccine. Why couldn't they just meet? I know. Why couldn't they? It's a great question. I think – I'm not – I don't think we're getting the – all the details about the inner workings there. I keep hearing that there was a pre-approval committee that's been working hard. So in other words, there seems to be some sort of procedure in place that when they get to the approval committee, the approval committee may be able to give approval much more quickly. And my and my guess is, in fact, I'm pretty sure my guess is right, that this pre-approval committee is mostly slogging through the legal and liability issues. I was at a lecture once with a woman that uh, used to work for the FDA, and she said, look, this is like three or four years ago, 
Well, more, more than that. She, she goes, prior to the advent of sort of online filing where you could put all the stuff on electronic records, she said the amount of paper that would uh, appear just to get through the legal entanglements for the approval of a drug would fill an 18-wheeler truck trailer. 18-wheeler oh filled, filled to the ceiling with paper just for the legal, regulatory, and bureaucratic aspect of it. So my guess is that the UK cut back on all that bureaucracy and we are still stuck with it. Our legal system is an encumbrance. And this is this is when it comes to the approval process of anything medical, it's always the legal piece that takes forever. So I guess I my guess that's what it is. Does that make sense? Totally. Thank you very much. All right, man. Thanks, Carl. You appreciate it. Uh, this is Kelly. Hey Kelly. Hi, Kelly. What's going on? Hey, so um, I actually called to ask if you had any advice about um, how to deal with, um, well, realistically, Alzheimer's patients who haven't quite hit the metric to be declared um, fully, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, my, My grandmother, she's like 84 years old, but... You know, we're trying to get her kind of diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and the diagnosis process is proving kind of uh, difficult. Um, you know, she's getting taken advantage of by scammers and, um, you know, getting lost on the road and stuff like that. Oh, boy. Her personality has shifted quite significantly. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm, you know, she's she's a little bit more aggressive lately, and I was just kind of, Wondering um, what's the best way to, to get her into a doctor's office without, you know, um, I guess having her get defensive and whatnot. Uh, well, you at a certain point, you have to not get into conversations about it uh, and just take mm-hmm. her. Uh, and, and I, is she able to ride in a car with you and or does she get aggressive when you try to do that? Um, I think she just, the the idea of going to a doctor to assess her mental state is what she gets really, like, defensive about, you know? She's like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. But, like, you know, you'll have a conversation with her and she'll forget that you had that conversation the next day sort of thing. And and some of that is Um, normative for her age. But the getting lost in familiar environments, that's the piece that really Mm -hmm. goes with Alzheimer's, right? Uh, yeah, and this is you know these middle zones are terribly uncomfortable people for people because they are primed mm-hmm. for being taken advantage of. They are uh, primed to end up you know on really hurting themselves or getting lost or in car. I mean, this is really the zone mm-hmm. where the laws don't help you. Uh, you're in Florida, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. In California, they work against you in situations like this. Now, another way to go. Uh, is to go rather than to a neurologist, go to a geriatrician. And geriatric specialists are often very well equipped, obviously, in doing the Alzheimer's evaluation, but more importantly, getting resources that are appropriate for her. Uh, so if you That's find that. somebody who's board certified in geriatrics, they use mm-hmm. the, my experience has been they can they they really understand the systems and the law of their vicinity and apply them in such a way that it increases the safety of the patient and that's what you're looking for. Gotcha. Everyone, a lot of people are kind of unsure. It's like, well, I think we can do this, but we really can't, or you know, 
And so maybe um, if there's something that she's complaining about that she wants to get checked out or if you can find some way mm-hmm. of finding a, uh alliance with her on something, even a skin problem, anything, just say, I'm going gotcha. to make an appointment with this new doctor for you. Everyone says he's great. Let's go. And then mm-hmm. and then pull the doctor aside when you're there and go, ah, we got a, we got a mental status problem. We need help. Gotcha. All right. Okay. Yeah, totally. Right. Makes sense. Um, why does the personality shift when when Alzheimer's, like dementia, sort of gets involved? Do you have an answer to that one? Well, it's essentially it's a it's a few things, right? I, I, there's not one just so answer mm-hmm. to it. One of it, one of the answers is that, of course, they're processing information differently, so they get if they're already sort of defensive or paranoid, they get more defensive and more mm-hmm. paranoid. And as gotcha. and they can even have because the frontal lobes aren't working right, they can be highly sexual. The men can be highly sexualized, particularly they can be aggressive. They can strike out in ways that seem nonsensical. And it's think about mm-hmm. it if uh, it, it's like they're in a dark room and they can't really hear or see anything and something somebody's poking at them. They just start, they start they just can't they can't process sensibly. The other thing is that mm-hmm. one of the primary areas of destruction, if somebody actually has Alzheimer's, is this. For a sort of parietal region that is poorly characterized in terms of function. But I, I, I talked to Antonio Damasio about this once, and he thinks that's where the self lies, that the thing we think of as the self is primarily in this sort of central parietal area, and that's one of the primary or first areas of destruction in Alzheimer's. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Right. Mommy. You got it, Kelly. Thank you so much. <laughs> keep keep my hand tight. Bye. Keep my hand tight, Kelly. <laughs> Talk soon. Thanks, Dr. You Bye. Bet. Bye. All right. Well, that that was fun. I, we, I thank you for all the calls. We appreciate you. Give you a chance to chat with everybody. Gary, any questions before I wrap this thing up? No, not at all. Don't you, be stingy. You learned something tonight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Good. I thought those were fun conversations. They were indeed. So, and, and all of you locals, I appreciate you guys showing up here. I appreciate that. And we appreciate, as always, the callers here. And uh, we will see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com.